If you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. Uh, we're in uh, verses 14 through 21 today. And before we, before we dig into that, if you, if you don't have a Bible, slip your hands up. The ushers will grab one for you. Um, but before we dig into that, I, I just want to kind of get you guys into uh, that, that spot where I believe this is kind of the feeling that maybe even Jesus and, and Peter and James and John had. Because see, they're, they're just experienced, they're just coming out of the transfiguration with Jesus. We talked about that last week, and they kind of come down the mountain. And I don't know if you've ever kind of had one of those experiences with God where you could not imagine it being any better. And I mean, you, and you know, like, okay, it's better than this because it, we're, we're still in this temporal spot, but I couldn't imagine it being any better than this. And so you kind of have this, this, this almost euphoric, amazing experience. It's this incredible high with God on the, this mountaintop experience. Have, have any of you ever experienced that? Like, raise your hand if you've ever had kind of one of those moments, right? Okay, five of you. So I'm, I'm going to start praying for the rest of you. Um, so maybe you haven't had that. So the five of you, let's just, you know, why don't you guys sit up here and we'll just, we'll just have a conversation real quick. Have you ever noticed how um, usually right after a really, really high experience, um, there's always that person that drives you crazy the moment after? Or your car gets a flat tire, you're late for work the next day or you get in a big fight with your spouse, or you, you fail a test in college. You ever noticed how, how in those moments of high where it just seems like it couldn't get any better, it literally, that, that peak gets narrower and narrower and narrower, and the decline to the bottom of the mountain seems that much more steep and that much more difficult, that, that it, it's not even a moment's past, and you're on the bottom again, and you're just getting the pressure from everything around you. Have you ever felt that? ever experienced that where maybe you had maybe for some of you you're like man I just don't think I've ever had that high maybe let's call it a plateau and not a mountaintop for you guys where you've had this 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 experience where maybe God's word spoke to you in a mighty way through through music or through a sermon or while you were just reading in your own time or what, whatever it is but God spoke to you and you just felt his, his presence and his love and his peace and it was there and it was just a moment later and you felt like it was just getting grabbed and pulled out of you and it was like you had to almost be hostile to everything around you just to hold on to that peaceful moment. That, that mountaintop experience is gone. And, and I bring that up because if we allow circumstances to dictate our faith, we will always be crashing to and fro like waves in the ocean. And see, in this situation, the transfiguration will come into this. Is this high? James, John, and Peter with, with, with Jesus and Moses and Elijah showed up on the scene. Pretty cool thing, right? And they, they had this whole experience where this is a, amazing. Peter even said kind of wrongfully, like, let's just stay here. Let's just do this. Let's, let's not leave. This is so good. And then they come down the mountain, and they come right down the mountain, and that's where this picks up. And see, the enemy, the, the Bible teaches John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And see, and I believe one of the ways that the enemy loves to steal from us, he loves to try and steal the joy that is ours in God and God alone. He loves to just rip that from us if possible, to try and come and take that at any, way, at any moment so that, so that we can, in that moment, stop, not rest in the fact of who God is and how, how big and how majestic he is, but in, in an instant, be robbed from that with the day-to-day -day grind of life. And so in Matthew 17, that's, that's, very, very, that's exactly what happens. Jesus Jesus and, and James and John and Peter come down from the mountaintop. So this is the, the, the next, the, the Gospel of Luke says the next day. So they come down from this experience, right? And so in, in chapter 14, 
And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. So I'm going to pause there real quickly. There's a, a, the Gospel of Mark has a way more thorough account of this exact piece here. And it, it tells us that in the Gospel of Mark that, that present with the crowd is Pharisees and scribes. And that when they show up, there's actually arguing going on. And so the nine disciples that were left behind that, that, are, that are not a part of the, the three, they are there on the scene. And this man brought his son to them to be healed. And what's unique about this is it's, it's back in Matthew 10, almost a year before this date, where Jesus says, go out and heal and cast demons and raise the dead. He gives them the power to do all of that. So by now, these disciples had to have been pretty good at it. And they were doing, they, they, so they're, they're grumbling, they're fighting. There's this big argument about the fact that, that his disciples, Jesus' disciples, the, the, the one that they say is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, isn't capable of actually doing what's necessary to heal this boy. The Gospel of Luke tells us that this boy was, would vomit frequently and foam at the mouth. The Gospel of Mark also tells us a little bit more that, that these, these episodes would be violent, superly violent. And, and I want to be really clear on something. We see in the ESV that it says epileptic and, and, and epileptic seizure, and that's, that's what we can picture. But um, in this text, what we know to be true is that it wasn't just that ailment, but there was also some form of demon possession in this, some form of demon um, effect on this, because we know that at the end, they say cast out. Now, I want to be clear. Someone that struggles with epilepsy, it does not mean that they are, they are being oppressed by a demon. Okay, so don't, don't, that's, not, that's not parallel. This just happens to be one of those situations where both are present. And so, so this little boy is struggling. And so Jesus, in the Gospel of Mark, he comes to him and says, well, how long has it happened? What's, what's going on? Since childhood, this poor boy has been, been violently like, entrapped and, and, and almost died because he's fallen on a fire, maybe in the house or, or in the courtyards, he's fallen in the water. Like, this boy is in turmoil, and it's violent, and it's hard. And so I, I, I don't know if you can picture this scene, but I made the joke about Peter last week. It, like, Peter kind of opened his mouth, Right, and he, he would open his mouth, and I, I kind of always felt like the other disciples would kind of look back and not really be with him, you know, because they were like they were afraid, like either he's going to say something really awesome or he's going to say something incredibly foolish. And so I kind of feel like, like James and John, even on the mountaintop, were kind of like, oh, oh, Peter, you know, it's kind of like watching that train wreck, right? Well, this is the first time in the Gospels that Peter gets to be on the other end of that. Did you ever notice that Peter comes down from the hill like he's like, man, that was amazing, and then he sees this this argument breaking out, and the nine disciples failed at at healing this boy, right? And then Jesus is about to rebuke him. And I feel like this is the first time Peter can go, oh, that's what it feels like. Oh, cool. All right. All right. All right. That, that, oh man, that's what I look like. Like, I feel like Peter has a first, like, glimpse of his kind of shortcomings. So Jesus says in, in chapter 17, and Jesus answered, oh, faithless and twisted generation. It's not a great start, just in case you're wondering. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed in that hour instantly. And so Jesus poses this question, and, and the scholars are all over the board as to who he's speaking to. So the, 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 the man comes and kneels before him, and, and the Gospel of Mark tells us there's this beautiful interlude where Jesus says this, and then the man says, I, I do struggle with my faith, but help my unbelief. 
Jesus says, if you believe, it can happen. He said, I do, I do believe, but help with my unbelief. And that's where it happens. But the, the, the scholars disagree as to who is Jesus talking about this little faith and wicked generation. The wicked generation or twisted generation is, that generation is all of the people present, right? But, but who's Jesus speaking? How long am I to be with you? And, and some scholars see it as he's totally just talking to the crowd. Some scholars see it, he's totally just talking to the disciples. And some scholars say, well, he's, he's talking to both. And I believe that the disciples are included in this rebuke. I really do believe that. And you can see in Jesus, again, he's, we can kind of gain from Matthew's text, although Matthew tends to soften Jesus' statements. But either way, we can kind of tell that he seems a bit like bothered. Now, obviously, Jesus isn't, isn't going to sin in his bother or his frustration, but you can see this, man, how, how long, guys? Like, here, here we were. I just, I just got proclaimed the, the Son of God by God himself in front of these three guys right here. And now I'm down here, and the night, you guys can't even heal this, you can't even heal this child. I've given you this power. It's been a year of doing it. I feel like he, he tends to be like, oh man, like you're, you're missing it. And again, Jesus is dealing with, as a human, he's dealing with the, the, the thought and the process of what he's going to have to endure for their faith. And so he comes and attacks you men of little faith. It's not the first time he's called his disciples out on their little faith. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out. So first I wanna, I wanna couple, say a couple defining things. Uh, the boy we know from Luke 9 was uh, the father's only son, which made that father's plea even more so um, emphatic and more so um, important because that was his, his family. That was his, his carry-on for his tradition, his generation, and, and everything, genealogy passing on through his son. And then they, they use the word lunatic in here. Or you see that word. Lunatic literally means of, like, they had this belief, this predominant belief in their time that if you slept underneath a full moon, that it would affect you in some way. And so it wasn't a belief that was biblical. It was just this kind of this overarching kind of superstition that just kind of played itself through. Well, he's a lunatic, and that's where we get the, the loon, the lunar, the moon. And that's what, he's, that's what this word means. And so he's saying, the boy's, the boy's messed up, but he's messed up because something has happened to him. And so whether they believed that his epilepsy was because of him sleeping under the full moon at one point or another, or if it was just the demon oppression, but either way, both there. Twisted is, um, translates uh, more to being distorted view. Some, some of your translations may say perverted. And, and that word doesn't mean anything other than it's a, it's a distorted view of God and God's will. It's a bending out of shape, that which is true. So twisted would be used, it would be used predominantly as a, in, a, in the term as a potter. So if a potter didn't actually do what he was supposed to do with this before it went to the fire, it would be twisted. So that was the word they would use. It's, it's, not, it's not deformed. It's not right. And so Jesus is calling out and saying, look, your guys', is, your guys is understanding of God, it's twisted. It's, it's, it's faithless. It's, it's, it's wicked. It's, it's wrong. Having an, an, a wrong view of who he is is wicked. It's not anything other than that. And then he calls him out on their little faith. So then, it's as, as he calls them out on little faith, and we'll talk about that in a second, but then it kind of goes on, and the Gospel of Mark, I believe, tells us that he goes into a home with his disciples. And his disciples are, are a bit confused. They've just been kind of confronted and rebuked by Jesus, right? They're, they're confused at, well, why couldn't we do this? And so I don't know if you thought about this, guys, but we don't know how long they tried, Right? 
We don't know how, how long they tried to heal this boy. We don't know how big of a crowd was there, but we know that by the time Jesus was on set, there was a big crowd. There was a bunch of people around. But we don't know if like they, they tried and, and then they failed and then they kind of like, okay, reboot, guys, hang on now. Now, what are we doing wrong here? And, like, I don't know if they had like, you know, halftime play, like, okay, we got to switch this around here. Or if they tried, be like, oh, no, no, we got it now. And, and they're starting to feel the pressure of this. But I also think that it's worth saying, and we, we know this from the Gospel of Luke, that when Jesus goes to rebuke the demon in there, that the kid violently, the demon kind of lashes out and violently throws the kid on the ground, almost to where he looks like he's dead once Jesus has pulled him out. Right? So there's this, this, this presence of Jesus. It, it brings this violent reaction. And I can't help but think that the, the nine disciples, what they were struggling with is that they saw the power and the fear of the enemy in this boy. They were focused on, they saw what was going on, and it was, it was huge. Now, they had they'd been able to cast out and do all kinds of things. Again, a year ago, they were, they were out doing it. It was amazing. Like, dude, everyone's coming out in, our, in your name. And Jesus is like, don't be satisfied that they're, they're following you because of my name. Be satisfied that your name is written in the book of life. Right? And so, so he, he's, they, they've experienced all these things. But I think that they were looking at the circumstances and how difficult they were, which makes sense for Jesus to call out their faith. Have you ever been in a situation? Maybe you're in it right now where it's just so hard, so scary. The unknowns are overwhelming, right? And maybe, maybe there's people watching right now. You got friends or, or, or family that are paying attention to what you're doing. And you realize that what you're doing is, isn't, isn't working. You're messing up. And so you're kind of grabbing at every last straw going, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. But you know what the most in insane thing is about these disciples? Is that at one moment they had to say, we can't do it. They had to quit. They literally had to go, we got nothing. We, we tried. I did the best I could. And the crowd pushed in. I said, wait, you're, you're Jesus' disciples. And honestly, this shows kind of poorly on Jesus. When he comes down on the mountain, if his disciples, the men that are closest to him, can't do what he's, he came to do, it shows, it reflects on him as their rabbi, as their teacher. It's, hey, he's not doing a good job of passing on, not doing a good job of discipling. But they had to quit. So I don't know, I don't know what your circumstances are right now, but I don't know if the boy was convulsing on the ground and foaming at the mouth, or, or if you the, the Gospel of Luke tells us he screams at the top of his lungs. I don't know if that was happening and it was just, it was too much and they had to, they had to back away and go, I, I can't, I, I don't know. And they're looking for one, he's like, hey, what do you, I mean, what do you think? What, I mean, what do you think? I, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but either way, they had to stop. They had to just give up and quit. And if you have ever been in a really, really, really hard situation where you feel like you're not doing it right anyways, and then you have to just stop and let down the people that we're expecting you to do. It just is squashing. It just, it, it hurts. And see, and I, I think that's a bit of what these nine disciples were feeling. We couldn't do it. We, we failed. We missed it. And all these people, and we couldn't even, because we couldn't do it, the scribes are arguing against us. And that, our, our, our voices is kind of pointless to them because they're saying, well, if you really are it, well, then why can't you do this? And so the disciples, I believe, come to a question. I don't think this question is just 
hey, why could we not cast it out? I believe it's a plea. Why? What, what, what are we missing? How come? Is your power going away? Jesus, what are, what are, what are, we, what are we forgetting? What did you, why, why couldn't we do it? And I feel like their question was one of sincere, like, what did we miss? And Jesus' answer is very sincere and, and seems a bit abrupt too. He says, because of your little faith, because of your small faith, you couldn't do it. Because your faith is so small, you guys missed it up. So now these disciples are struggling. They're going, wait a second. I, our faith? But we, we believe you are the Son of God. What do, you, what do you mean our faith, our small faith? He's saying because your faith was so small, you couldn't do it. He doesn't give us any more. I don't know what other state, like if he goes on to say anything else, we don't know if there was more conversation or more questions or what do you mean little faith? If they got defensive or, or maybe they just were struggling in their own reality. But either way, he says because your faith is little, you couldn't do the very thing that you've probably done over and over and over again over this last year. You ever think about that? Like these disciples had experienced demons leaving people, people healed from leprosy, raised from the dead, all kinds of amazing things. And it came to this one instance and they couldn't do it anymore. And Jesus says, the reason why you couldn't do it is because you have little faith. See, the reason why it's not so simple is because you have little faith. And I believe the reason why they have little faith is because they stopped relying on God and started relying on themselves. Have you ever, have you ever done that? You know, you watch someone do something. I can, there's endless amounts of stories of Jen and I where I'm like, I saw him do it this one time and I'm trying to do it again and it never works, right? But there's this, there's this shift that happens. When you see it happen over and over again, it becomes a routine where pretty soon you're no longer relying on anything but just yourself. And you just kind of go through the motions and, and, and at some point going through the motions, you realize you've lost it. You wanna know how I know all of you have experienced that in one way or another? Think about your prayer life. Think about singing songs, right? At one point you could sing a song, it's like your heart is pouring out. And the next is just noise. One time you're praying and he's like, you feel like God's presence and you can hear his voice. He's, he's leading you. He's, his, his, the words are jumping out of the scriptures at your life and the next is just done. I believe that's because we stop relying on him and start relying on ourselves. We start having more faith in me than the one who created me. So many of us spend so many efforts. I'm not saying be lazy, but, but most of us do so much work to try and get the answer. We work so hard to get the answer. And we just ignore scripture like, be still and know that I'm God. Listen to my voice. We never, we never engage in that. And, and, and I believe that most of us and the disciples here, their little faith was because, not because they stopped believing in Jesus, not because they stopped even believing in God, but because they started believing more in themselves. And they started relying more on themselves. And I, and I get there mainly because of a text that's not in all manuscripts out of this. But we'll go there for a second. Jesus says in verse 19, so the disciples say, why? Why couldn't we do it? And he said to them, because of your little faith. Then Jesus brings a four truly. Now pay attention. 
for truly. I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, that's a, the little teeny dot in there, that's a mustard seed plant, the picture from Israel when I was there. If you have faith like that little teeny seed that's going to grow into this really large bush, almost kind of misconstrued as a tree because it gets big. You have that kind of faith. It seems like Jesus is contradicting himself, right? You have little faith, but if you have this little faith, if you have faith like, the tiny, like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And we have to, first we have to kind of lay this out. So Jesus isn't contradicting himself. The, the faith of a mustard seed is, 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 a, is an idea that faith is going to grow. Faith is meant to grow. So if you are a follower of Jesus and you don't feel like today you have more faith than you did four years ago or three years ago or two months ago or one month ago, then, it's, then you're not growing. God is, God is calling us to grow our faith. Our faith will grow. And so that's, that's the mustard seed. Secondly, he's saying this, which in essence is true. Your faith is so small, it's actually smaller than a mustard seed. You have such little faith that the grain of a mustard seed you have such little faith that that teeny little thing is, is more faith than you have. But then I think that the positive side of that is, but look, just, just a little bit. Look what, a, look what a little bit can do. It can move a mountain. Now this text is, is I think, used out of context a lot of times. Uh, first off, Jesus and God never actually just moved a mountain. We don't have any account of it. I mean, obviously in creation it happened, but we don't have account of Jesus saying to that mountain to move somewhere else. This was a very common way of speaking about incredibly difficult things in your life. As you move mountains, it was, a, it, was a, it was a common way to teach. What are the mountains in your life? What are the obstacles, the really, really difficult, large obstacles in your way? And that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about a physical mountain moving, right? But he's saying the very, very difficult obstacles in your life, if you have faith of a mustard seed, anything's possible with those. And I also think it's worth saying this. Nothing impossible for us is, is, can tend to be a lot about us. Well, nothing's impossible, then I can do anything. And that's, that's not what this text is meaning either. It's saying if you're, if you're in God's will and you're surrendered, you believe in him and you have the faith instilled in him, then anything that he is calling you to do can be done. Anything can be done. You could have healed that boy instantly. And then in verse 21, which if you have the ESB, it's not in there. Um, but verse 21, most manuscripts have, this one only comes out from prayer. And then a few manuscripts add, and fasting. So Jesus says that this demon doesn't come out. He only comes out through prayer and fasting. This is why I think the disciples relied on themselves. They showed up to the scene and said, hey, out, out, in Jesus' name. They never once sat down before God and said, God, help me. God, God would, you, would you lead me in this? God, would, would your power do what you called us to do? They never ever once stopped. I kind of feel like that was that good face palm moment, like, oh, prayer, dang it. He, ah, we should have we remembered that one. This whole time, guys, why didn't, where were you on that one? Come on, well, Judas, we knew where you were, but where were you rest, you guys? Come on. Like, really? Prayer is all we had to do. All we had to do is spend a little bit of time in preparation, centering ourselves on Him first and then watching Him work, 
and everyone else, you see what that does is it removes us from the equation. If you go to God to do what God wants to do, and then he does it through you, who, who did it? God does it. But if I do it on my own and I keep working hard and I work my angle and I make this happen, I can get this raise or I can, I can make this relationship happen. If I keep doing it on my own, who's making it happen? Me. Yeah, maybe God's grace is, is, is sufficient. He'll bring about some health in that situation for you and he'll, he'll bring clarity and he'll, he'll use it either way because you're his child and he desires to use you for his glory. But ultimately, it's, it's, it's his work. It's his faith. So, so I believe that this text is, is that moment of showing us that, that ultimately it doesn't take a lot of faith to do what God's calling us to. I don't think that, I don't think that God's, I don't think that he's beating them up here, guys. And maybe you're feeling like, man, I don't have much faith right now. And you're, you're feeling a little down and distraught. Like, listen, I actually ha- think that this text has absolutely nothing to do with, with the amount of faith you have and everything to do with who your faith is in. Do you see that? Some of you right now, you're like, I just need more faith. Give me more faith. Give me more faith. And we have scriptures like Hebrews 12 tell us that, that, that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And that we're just to fix our eyes on him, not muster up more faith. See, I think the disciples miss the point. They, they, they miss the point that it's not about how much or how great or how small their faith is, although our faith will grow. It's that their faith was in the one and true living God. And that's it. So some of you right now, you're going, I need more faith. I need more faith. Maybe you just need to rest in who God is. Isn't it interesting that just like we said last week, we talked about Jesus being majestic and Lord and God and beautiful and this, this amazing, amazing picture, not just our friend or our homeboy, right? Jesus is, is this Lord of our lives. He's, he's big and he's amazing. Just a, just a little bit of faith in him and watch out. Their ability to heal was not based on their powers or abilities. It came only from Jesus by his divine provision and will. Think about it this way. If the apostles, with all of their calling and gift, I mean, if the apostles, I mean, we make fun of Peter, but let's be honest, the dude's pretty stinking awesome. Right? I mean, if, if the apostles had to, had to actually pause on everything that they were doing to go back to God and say, God, I need you in this situation, then who are we to think that we don't need to do the same? The apostles that we read about, the apostles that we, like, man, if only I could, and man, it's amazing what they did and what they experienced, and we, we think we can go on without God? That's because of our little faith. See, our faith isn't small or big because of what we do. Our faith is small or big because we forget who it's in. And you start having more faith in yourself and what you can accomplish. I think looking at our circumstances a lot of times can bring about uh, little faith. You guys may be in a really, really difficult spot. You've been battling um, marriage issues for a long time. You've been battling depression, um, some form of addiction. Maybe, maybe you just, you're just like, you're just beat down. And when you look at the landscape of your life, all you see is how great and how big and how huge those problems are. And what happens is as you focus more and more on those things, God becomes smaller 
and smaller and smaller. And pretty soon you just, all you can see is your reflection. So you sit in a panic mode of, I got to do, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. And you start running after your own effort and your own will. I think a lot of times the circumstances are, are what blind us to God's strength. Mountaintop, mountain low. Valley, I guess would be the better way to say that. Mountaintop, valley, mountain low. I'm going to coin that. It's a new term. I also think it's worth saying this. Some of you have been praying for faith. You've been on your knees. You've been, God, please help me. You've been searching the scriptures like your, your, your fingers are tired from turning the pages or thumbing through the next page on your iPhone, right? However you read your Bible. And you're just, you're, just, you're just tired and you've sat and you've listened and you're like, God, I need you. I, I want to hear from you. You sought wise counsel and you feel like I am, I am doing what you've asked me, God. Where are you? What are you doing? My encouragement to be, be to you is, is keep going. Because James 1, 2 through 3 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, although you don't see it right now, your father sees that you're lacking in something. And he's, he says, look, look, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these circumstances. I'm going to align your heart more to me in it. And yeah, it's, it's painful. And yeah, it's hard. And yeah, all you want is, 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 a, is a, a relief from it, but he's saying, I can't, if I give you relief now, you're going to miss. This is why I think so many of us get in trouble is because we run from those painful spots. Whoa, this hurts. I'm out. We bail. We bail instantly. God, I wanted, but you didn't, so I'm out. Little faith. You have little faith. The good news is it just takes a little bit more than that. And not even something you can muster up, but a true understanding of faith in the God who gave you the faith, who's going to perfect the faith. I don't know why we as a, as a generation, as a church in, in America, we, we, we love to make it about what we do, about what I'm capable, my efforts. That's what disciples got wrong. They tried to heal a boy that they'd done hundreds of times before and they couldn't do it because it was about what they could do and not him and what he's doing through them. So I don't know where your faith is. I don't know. I don't know if you feel like maybe you're struggling with the amount of faith. Again, it's, it's important to know that the amount of faith which brings the impossible within reach um, it's, it's important to observe here that it's not the amount of faith which brings the impossible within reach, but the power of God which is available to even the smallest faith. You hear that? It's not, it's not more there. It's, it's, it's the smallest amount in the God of faith. Peter tells us that, that, our, that our faith is more precious than gold and that these trials, these hardships are going to be, they're going to refine it. So where are you at with your faith? Do you have a circumstance or a situation right now where you're like, I just, I don't have the faith that anything's going to happen. If you're really honest with yourselves, some of you, you're like white knuckling. I believe Jesus is who he says he is. And you're struggling to believe that. 
You're like, I just want to, I just want to believe it. I, I know it. It's, it's what's said, and you're just wrestling. You see circumstances and things around you. You're just white knuckling. What if I were to tell you that 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 the faith you have was a gift from God? That the faith that you have was a gift from Him, and that you don't have to grab onto it. Yeah, your life will mark in obedience. This is the whole faith and works thing that James also talks about. But your faith was a gift from God, and he says that the smallest amount of faith in him, I mean, as small as a mustard seed, those things are teeny. As small as that, you know what can happen? I can do amazingly huge things through you is what God's saying, and that's his promise. So for those of you in the room that have been struggling to have any faith at all in God, whether you believe he, um, maybe you don't say that, but you make every single decision, every single life choice, every single interaction without really going to God. You make all of your decisions going, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do this because it makes sense. You never actually surrender your will to God's will. Well, that's not faith, guys. Those in the room that, that maybe you're just like the disciples where it's like you've seen God work, you've seen him do amazing things, and it's just a reorienting where he's going, no, no, you gotta spend some time in prayer and fasting with me. You got to spend some time with me. Let, let me. let me show you what I'm doing. And then go do that stuff. But we'll get, we'll get there. Maybe it's just a reminder. Some of you need to remember that, that you don't have to have the great faith. You don't need everyone to look and go, oh man, that person's faith is insane. They're amazing. Jesus is saying it just takes a little bit of faith in the right thing. Not faith in the world, not faith in other people necessarily, but faith in God. Your faith in Him and Him alone is what's going to sustain you in life. It's going to bring about the life change that you desire. It's going to bring about the life that He set you forth. Maybe Jesus today is looking at you, He's looking, He's going, hey Brent, man, you're not seeing this because of your little faith. Maybe you need to hear Jesus say those words to you. Hey, hey, you're missing it because your, your faith is too little. And that's not a slap in the face and you know what, ha ha, take that punk. But it's a, hey, your faith is too small. But don't worry, just a little bit will do an amazing thing. Come to me and let me perfect your faith like I was created to do, like I was made to do like I've been doing this whole time. In fact, if any of you believe any of your faith is where it is because of your own works, you gotta stop, don't collect $200 and start over again. Right? Because you're not, you're not, it's not you, it's him. He's the founder of it. He's the perfecter of it. So I don't know what your circumstances are. The, the, the band's gonna come up, we're gonna, we're gonna sing some more worship. And I believe the song is, uh, Danny, the song is Give Me Faith, right? Is that what we're going into? <laughs> And so I, I want to, um, it's, it's a great song, but like, I want you just to pretend for a little bit, if nothing else, that there are no instruments. <laughs> there is no band, and, and this is just your plea to God. And maybe it's, God, give me faith that you can heal this ailment in my life. God, give me faith that you can restore this relationship. Give me faith that you can help me do this. And I want you just to insert that in your own life. So when you say, give me faith, it's not just a statement to be said. It's, it's God, give me the faith. 
It's that persistent and, and earnestly praying to God with this all plea of your life going, I can't get this anywhere else but just from you, God. And some of you, you need this more than ever because your circumstances have been hard for a long time. You need to be like the father that we didn't get in this text, but we see in Mark where he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. You need to be like him where you're just on your knees saying, okay, God, I, I believe in you, but, but I know there's unbelief, so please help my unbelief. And so when you sing, give me faith, don't let it be lip service. If you can't sing that with the heart of God, truly give me the faith not just the faith in you, but the faith that you are in control of my circumstances. You are in control of this life. You're, you're the reason why I'm living. If it's not that kind of faith, then don't, don't pretend. Just sit in quiet. Maybe you just need to sit and be quiet and listen to God and say, God, give me faith and let him speak to you. But if you're in a situation, whether it's easy or hard, you're going, God, I need you to show up, then I would encourage you to stand with us, to sing this out, to give me faith and not sing it to these people up here, not sing it to the person next to you where you're checking your pitch going, am I home? Right? But just sing it to the God who created you, the God who gave you the faith enough to show up here today, the God who loves you graciously despite your shortcomings, even when he looks at you and says, oh, 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 Bren, your little faith, he still loves me. He doesn't go, oh, you little faith, okay, come on, I'll fix it. No, it's, oh, little faith, I, I'm doing something. And it's going to be so good. Just, just put your faith in me and me alone. No longer faith in the person next to you, faith in your job, faith in your money, faith in your security, faith in your, your identity in this world, but only your faith in your identity as a child of God that he gave you and that Jesus promises to perfect. And the good news is uh, Jesus kind of showed how good he is on his word. He went to the cross for us. He's not going to fail you. He's worthy of the smallest amount of faith and the greatest amount of faith. But the best thing to do with that faith is to have it in Him and Him alone. We pray, God, thank you for the faith that you've given each of us. God, we are in a process. It is, it is so encouraging for me to know that these nine disciples um, struggled even you know, six, five months before you went to the cross. They were still struggling to understand um, what it meant to have faith in you. God, I, I know that every single person in this room is, is struggling or wrestling or going to be wrestling with their faith and not just their faith in the predominant of whether or not you are God or not. But God, I pray that you would speak and breathe life into that very question. But faith in whether or not you're gonna show up in these circumstances, faith in whether or not they're gonna have a paycheck, faith in whether or not they're gonna have a child or faith that their marriage is gonna work or faith that this move is gonna work. God, I pray that you would just instill in them that you are working and all it takes is the grain of a mustard seed placed in the right place. So God, I pray for more faith. I pray for more faith that's centered on you. I pray for, for more faith that's, that's focused on you. And I pray that ultimately you would be glorified in all of um, our lives in the faith that you've given us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.